I am so happy to have Hunter Smith on the Jacob Beer Show, who is running for state representative. But if you live in Indianapolis area, you might know him from the Super Bowl, which was, gosh, feels like it was just the other day. I was only two or three um, or as a singer. But you are currently running for state representative in Hamilton County. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Jacob. I appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to this. So take us through a little bit. You grew up in Texas, if I'm correct. Um, football became a big part of your life. Take us through a little bit about yourself. And then you went to Notre Dame. Right, right. So I was born in Texas on a cattle ranch. And my I had wonderful parents. My dad was a great athlete. We um, just grew up playing ball in the yard. It was not like uh, things are today where your, people are running every imaginable direction, chasing sports. My dad taught me how to kick the ball, punt the ball, throw the ball. And from there, I just played for every school I ever went to. Played football, played basketball, ran track, played baseball. And uh, when I was a senior, I was offered a scholarship in 1995, that would be, to uh, play for the University of Notre Dame. Lou Holtz gave me a scholarship there. And so that was really kind of, uh, you know, the beginning of sports beyond home was leaving home and traveling a thousand miles away to go to uh, Notre Dame and, and play. So once I got there, I actually went there to play several positions. Um, Notre Dame was the only school in the nation that recruited me to punt as well as a few other things. So th there were four other schools that I had narrowed it down to at the end. But I couldn't pass up the education. I couldn't pass up a starting job as a freshman. And once I got there and saw the place, it was hard to say no to that. So we'll fast forward. I played there, started every game I ever played, and was drafted in the seventh round by the Colts. And then got to do something that few people ever get to do, and that is play for the team you were drafted by and play for them for 10 years. And so I got to be here for a decade which uh, that decade, that decade's the winningest decade in the history of the NFL uh, for one team playing ten years worth of of games. Peyton Manning was our quarterback. I don't, I don't feign to be the reason for that success. Just so you know. Um, after winning that Super Bowl and that you spoke of earlier, and we're you know we're we live here. My wife, I was married. I was married. A lot of growing up went went on in that 10 years, got married, had children. And uh, when I was done, I opted out of the last year of my contract, entered the free agent market and went and played two years, uh, two injured years. I got injured um, at the beginning of the whole thing uh, for the Washington Redskins at the time, now the commanders. When I was done with that two years, I was tired of playing hurt. I was in my early thirties. I'd played 12 years. I felt like there was a lot of life ahead, a lot of things I wanted to do. So I retired and uh, the phone did ring. I had other opportunities to play, but I just kind of put a stake in the ground at that point, decided this was it. This was a, a moment to stop that train and get off and, and move forward into something else. So we came back here, made this home. And again, long story short, I started a band. I started speaking publicly around the state of Indiana, playing music at every little fair and festival and gathering I could, I could, that would let me get my guitar out for. And then around around eight or nine years ago, we bought a farm and started uh, a regenerative effort 
selling food to families in our community. And we've built over the last several years, we've built a farm and we serve our community that way, serving mainly protein and vegetables and in, uh, in serious scales, not in, uh, not a hobby farm, not a sell a few dozen eggs to your neighbor kind of thing. It's kind of a larger, a larger, small operation. And again, fast forwarding through that, this past year, the district representative seat came open here in District 24, which covers some of Carmel, all of Westfield, Sheridan, and the north side of Zionsville. And I really just, I got kind of pursued to run for that. I thought really hard about it, prayed about it a lot, talked to my wife, talked to my kids, talked to a lot of other people about it, and decided it was time to throw my hat in the ring for public service. So right now I'm in the throes of a campaign to win the primary and then go on and win the general election in November. And that is about the fastest I can get through my life, Jacob. Wow. And just to kind of go back for a minute, I've interviewed Lou Holtz on the show. Of course, love Lou Holtz. Um, do you have a favorite Lou Holtz story? I got to ask you that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, he was yeah, nice. I mean, there are. But I'm sure you saw other moments. <laughs> well, I love Lou Holtz. And I would say that there are some that are funny and then there are some that are um, not so funny. And then there are some that are very meaningful. And I'll, I'll share the most meaningful moment I had with Lou Holtz. As I mentioned earlier, I went to college to, to be an athlete. I didn't, I didn't punt. I punted in high school to the extent that I was a, um, an all state punter in Texas, but it never was my focus. It was just, I was the best punter on the team. And so as a result, when it was fourth down, I jumped back there and did it, but I really wanted to play quarterback or receiver in college. And those were the two positions I was going to other schools to play. So after my freshman year, starting at punter, I really pursued playing another position hard. I, mean, I really went after being a receiver and I was in the four man rotation there coming in coming out of the spring of my freshman year I was going to play at receiver and long story short that fall before we ever got into the season I was really I was still punting and I was punting really well and he sat me down and he said listen I need to talk to you about something uh, it was very serious and he said you can play here you can play quarterback you can play receiver we could play you at safety but I need you to know that you're going to punt in the NFL for 10 years. And I just cannot be the reason why you get injured. And that doesn't happen. He just kind of gave me this, this explanation about, you know, I'm, I'm older than you Hunter. And I've watched this time and time again, people come and people go, your best opportunity to make a living playing football is punting the football. Wow. I was very disappointed. I was very disappointed. And uh, I just, you, know, you, can, you can imagine being a good athlete and being 19 years old and just being told after running around and tackling and throwing and catching and scoring touchdowns and being that kind of an athlete to be told it's time for you to stand on the sidelines until fourth down and punt four to eight times a game and hold extra points and field goals. You know, that was, it was hard for me to hear. Um, I I can report that Lou was wrong. I played 12 years in the NFL. <laughs> and so, <laughs> that listen, I have nothing but gratitude toward him for that. He 
was a defining voice at a defining moment in my life. And it's why we're here today, Jacob, because I was able to remain healthy, have a good college career punting the football and have a good pro career also. For sure. Um, and just one last thing to focus on the football career a little bit. Um, you played in a Super Bowl. What was that like? Um, of course, you played at an elite college, Notre Dame. You're on a team with, gosh, so many people in the Hall of Fame. Um, you're the punter, which um, unfortunately, sometimes even the best quarterbacks can't quite get the ball to a touchdown or the red zone every time. What was it like punting in a Super Bowl? Got to ask that question since it's the week of the Super Bowl. Sure. Well, we'll start with it was wet. Uh, you were just a kid, but it was raining cats and dogs down in Miami that night. And for people who remember that season, they know that the Super Bowl was a big moment, but it was not as big of a moment as beating Tom Brady's Patriots here to go to the Super Bowl. I think everybody kind of thought it was um, – Everybody out in the culture thought it was a little bit of a foregone, the football culture thought it was a foregone conclusion that the Colts would beat the Bears in that Super Bowl. But it was not a foregone conclusion that the Colts would beat the Patriots in that AFC championship game. So winning that game and moving forward into the Super Bowl, that was really a great moment. That was a huge celebration. Winning the Super Bowl was a celebration as well, but it was also just a massive relief to not drop the ball so to speak hunting in the super bowl was hair was a harrowing experience because the best thing the chicago bears had going for them was a returner back then who is i guess he's probably in the top two or three in the history of the nfl as it was devin hester and if you go back and watch that the tape he returns the opening kickoff adam vinatieri was kicking off and he returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown in the super bowl it was one of the most even I being on the opposing team had to stop and go, wow, that was really magic. Like th this guy just returned the opening kickoff in the Super Bowl. The place is nothing but a giant, you know, it's inflamed in flash bulbs. And um, so that was, that was really, you know, kind of a moment. But I also thought after that, well, okay, I'm going to punt to him. And at least two things, at least he's tired now. And statistically speaking, he's probably not going to do it again. And he didn't. I punted real well to him. I was four for four in that game, punting the ball. We only had to punt four times uh, in the rain, and we pinned him inside the 20. Nobody remembers these things. Nobody cares. Everybody goes to the bathroom when the punter comes out. But that was uh, – I had a good game, and we had a really solid game as a team. We're able to seal that deal and bring the trophy home to Indianapolis. For sure. And now to lead us in, of course – you're doing something else for the state of Indiana. You're running for public office, um, which just outside of Indianapolis. Um, take us through what's the big policy that you're focused on. Sure. Well, I think there are several of them, and I will say I would like to st start on personal policy. And what I mean by that is I believe that too many people who throw their hat in this ring they step into it with a tremendous amount of conviction. They stand on a lot of dogmatics, you know, um, ground, and they have a lot of um, really hotly contested sort of things that they're entering in to, to really throw down on and be strong about. And I want you to understand I'm not, I'm not squishy on anything. However, I do understand that to be good at something, you have to do it. You have to step in and you have to be sensible. You have to be sane. 
and you have to learn. So personally, the first thing I would do, Jacob, is sit down in the first session, uh, meet my people that I'm going to be making laws with. I'm meeting my constituents right now and having a wonderful time doing it. Get to know the people I'll be working with down there and listen and humbly proceed. And I think that any good public servant is a humble public servant. So that will be the first thing that I would do personally. That will be, you know, kind of my mode moving forward. Then there are several things. I mean, obviously I'm a, I'm a conservative. Um, I, I'm absolutely pro-life. I'm pro-school choice. Um, and, but then there are some things about me that are very different. There are some things about, that I have views on. There are things that I talk about quite a bit that make some people, it doesn't make people squirmy. They just kind of have never heard a conservative talk about these things. I would start with uh, as far as, you know, getting beyond kind of those staple foundational issues of conservatism. I would say, I believe that the environment is ground we have squandered as uh, in the Republican party. And furthermore, I don't believe there is a party of the environment that actually contends for the environment. I believe that there are people in there um, that do care about nature, that do care about our stewardship of it. But I believe generally speaking, institutionally, we are more interested in exploiting the environment, making money off of industries that purport to do good things for the environment rather than actually uh, thinking about this this world that we live in, this umbilical for us that we actually need as humans to survive. So in my mind, Jacob, the remarriage of three core issues is very important over time. And those three core issues that are really one issue would be food, farming, and the environment. Those three things have been divorced from one another, and they are actually one environment. They are actually one issue, and that is the stewardship of this planet. Um, and, and I believe that um, conservatives should lead that charge. We should have health. We should be eating healthy food that is grown in such a way as to create uh, create a healthy agriculture, and all of that should culminate in a healthy environment. And that's not what's happening now. It won't be happening in 10 years, but it's something that if we put our focus to it and we operate on nature's terms and we seek to honor God with our stewardship, I believe that we can see great strides in my lifetime toward the remarriage of those of those three tenets of, of the issue and a healthy, a healthier place that we can lead to our kids. For sure. That's a very good point there. And um, one other thing, just before I get into where people can find more about you, um, what would you say is something that, I guess, would you say if you had to pick, how would how do you work when it comes to getting things done? Um, I know you said to meet your fellow people if you get elected, your fellow house reps. Um, but for you, is that kind of more like personal one-on-one -on -one getting to know somebody better or like in caucuses and groups? How do you kind of, because, you know, you've been on a team where you've been in a huddle. Sure. So for you, how does that kind of work when it comes to, getting things done and, and really meeting other people to work over a goal on the finish line? Sure. It's, it's the right question. And I think it's one you should be asking everybody, every public servant you bring on your show is there, you know, how do they operate? And the first thing is going back to the root meaning 
of the term that describes what I'm doing, and that is representative. We are a representative republic, and the people who live in District 24 are sending me, Lord willing, to Indianapolis to represent them. So there are a lot of people running around out there treating politics as though it is a popularity contest, a means for them to uh, grow their brand, to make money. We are servants. We are representatives, not first, but only. And so that is what I want. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, and I will be taking the views and I will be taking the hopes, I will be taking the concerns of my constituents there in the district first. That that's the the foundation of, of you know the content that I'll be pursuing in Indianapolis. Moving forward from there, working with other reps, getting to know them. I think it's important, and I know that we do a good job of this in Indianapolis for all the things in politics that are not working right now. Indianapolis is a place, even with a supermajority, uh Sorry about that. I think I've got the uh, the doorbell ringing and the dog barking. I couldn't um, hear, so you're good. Okay, very, very good, very good. Yeah, I'm actually in a house. Yeah, so um, I think that meet, meeting the people that I'll be serving with and, um, and reaching across the aisle it's in ways that you can reach across the aisle. You have to remember America is a diverse place. There are people... From, from everywhere with all kinds of different perspectives, all kinds of different convictions. It used to be that we were a very slow moving um, electorate focused country where constituents really had the power. They, we were working you know, in channels like state government to make the world freer for them. And we did it together. I want to do that as to the extent that it can be done. I want to do that. I'm not going there to be at war with anyone. I'm going there to find solutions. And I think that that's, I think that's how we do it. We take with us the wishes of our constituents that we represent and we work together with the other representatives to make Indiana a freer place, a better place. I think that that can happen and I want to be a part of it. For sure. And kind of one last thing, where can people find out more about you? Um, do you have a website, a Facebook page? I hope you do. Sure. Yeah, you know, we've got all that stuff. I know um, you do because that's how I found a number to schedule this interview. So I know you got a Facebook page. So where can people sure, sure, sure. So Hunter for Indiana, basically HunterForIndiana.com. That's on Facebook. Um, you can Google my name, Hunter Smith. You'll find a lot there, I think. Also, um, to learn more about what we're doing on our farm, which is – a big part of my life and a big part of what undergirds all of this wondertreefarm.com is where people should go to learn more about our farm we don't have i'm not i'm not very big on social media i'm big on meeting people knocking doors talking to customers in my at my farm constituents in my district um but <clears throat> you know there are some things out there online uh, for me as a candidate you can look into I will say this, Jacob, if they find anything about my farm on social media, that's not us. We've never done anything with social media. We can't afford to. Our kind of agriculture is so popular that if we market it too heavily, we will run out of food. And uh, it's really a good problem to have. Uh, so wondertreefarm.com, hunterforindiana.com, and then 
we've got Facebook and all that stuff for the campaign. Yeah, for sure. And one last prediction: What's who's winning the Super Bowl? <laughs> I really want the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. I do. I just really, um, I think there's some great people on their team. I think they're a really fun team to watch when they are humming. They're kind of one of those teams where when it's all when it's going poorly. It just kind of is all bogged down. But I think if they can get their running game started, if they can get Christian McCaffrey free, I think that's going to be uh, – I think it could really go in their direction. But by the same token, I do think that Patrick Mahomes is kind of a once-in-a-generation talent. So I don't mean to be too political with my answer. I will tell you right now, being forthright, I want the San Francisco 49ers to win the game. But there's a very good chance it's going to be a Chiefs Super Bowl. That's just all there is to it. For sure. Well, thank you so much. Um, let's see. I've interviewed somebody who's been on stage with Taylor Swift, but I think I'm going to have to say I want the 49ers as well. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, we've got a consensus. We agree on something. That's good. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And people, I hope they can go to that and find more information about you. Absolutely. I, um, I hope so. Thank you for having me on, Jacob. Thank you.